When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 602. Going to recap the week in fab as usual, talk some strategy, lessons learned, and much, much more because we can't stay on track on this show. No, we can't. You can find me on Twitter at BDMtrick and my guest, as usual, on a Monday or a Tuesday this season on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Mike Curlin, how are we doing, my friend? Better now that I'm here with you, Bubba. Better oh, now that I'm here so with you. Because so everything else is going to absolute crap. So why not enjoy the little things, you know, like getting to complain about it with you behind the scenes and you having to deal with it. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's, I woke up this morning to 27 text messages from the GTE group chat. It was, was it me? Was it me? Today? No, you, oh, yeah. you, you, you had Simeon talking with you this time. It wasn't just you for once. We were talking. Well, we actually started off talking about, I think I randomly tweeted in our tweeted. It's not even Twittering. Where does it matter? I think I randomly text you about make sure you draft a certain player later on, yeah. like like where you should take them because then you're doing your first draft tonight. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the results and, and laughing at them because there's going to be so much that none of us agree with, but then there's going to be some sharp people making some really sharp picks. Mm-hmm. And aren't you – I know you are you were competitive. I know you were winning that league at one yeah, point we'll, this year. Well, we'll make 105 picks now. We'll do the first seven rounds, 15-team D.C., I was first for most of the season. I am in second by a half a point now. It keeps going back and forth with me and Steve Meyer. And I believe James Anderson's coming up in third. My team all season has barely been able to field a roster due to injuries. (laughs) This week I had two IL guys in my lineup. So it's Mm -hmm. gotten that bad. Like I'm literally just like praying I can hang on to cash at this point because I was dominant. I had a top 50 DC team at one point with this (laughs) roster. It is like 540 right now in a matter of a month and a half it's just oh tell me about it war of attrition it's a and i can't even make fab moves that's the worst part i'm literally sitting there it's like okay please god just please please anybody with with the breath make it like i have javier assad pitching for me each week right now i had a team that was starting parker meadows out of necessity at one point hoping they get the call finally got the call when i don't need them so but but so i I get what you mean like i would i would i would start start, like on sunday's really early dcs from like december january that are by the way doing awful um I would just be starting guys like Jake Alou before he's getting called up, hoping that there's an injury that maybe he'll get in that bat this week. That's right. So I get it. Like that's what, and that's that's the bittersweet part of these early DCs. Like it's honestly some of the best draft prep you'll ever get. Unfortunately, it's a it's you know it's a 
pretty penny for a mock draft, so to speak. 150 bucks price point for uh, DC, I believe, right? 125 yeah, 150. 150 for a DC, 50 for an NPC 50. And NPC what, 50s are great if you're into 12 teamers. I think those are super helpful. You know what's interesting, though, is I, I'm looking back on these and I love playing like my 12 team fab leagues, my OCs. I don't play many 15 team fabs for money. I got paid TGFBI and stuff. But um, when it comes to DCs or NFPC 50s draft and hold formats, my DCs are doing great pretty much no matter what time of year I drafted, where my 50s, my early 50s sucked. My later 50s have been okay. Um, I don't know if that's just because I know the depth of the player pool, which has helped me more in, in 15s. I don't know, because you're not playing about against dummies either. So it's not like they don't know yeah. what's coming up. It's just, it, it's an interesting, looking at stuff, and we talked about it in, in our chats and everything, how we're going to, it'll be fun to look back when the season's over and really kind of evaluate things. But I'm already noticing that kind of trend in my drafting. I took so this year in DCs, I took a step like more of a linear step because I thought I was going to be really improved this year, and I was way more prepped than ever before. Yeah, and too. then every every year I find a way to prep more, but this year I just prepped wrong. I was really focused on forty man rosters, fourth outfield types. I didn't give enough credence to the whole player teams are going to be more aggressive with minor leaguers, so I didn't. I should have ignored forty man, so to speak, because you end up you turn around and the forty man didn't matter as much because although it did help with fringe players, like you got guys like um, Stuart Fairchild, maybe you know just guys that giving you meaningful playing time throughout the year. Just and that was the random name because I saw he went on IL again today. But um, yeah, again, and I remember him being kind of like a couple dollar pickup for streams. You know when they had lefty heavy stream. It doesn't matter anyway. My point being is I put too much value in those types of players instead of like all right teams are gonna be uber aggressive this year so it's like and it wasn't even the depth of the hitters because obviously me having like I, I had nolan jones on a ton of early ones so nolan jones max Kepler, these were reserve round guys i knew we were gonna play and they've been good so it's really been my pitching that's you know i i maybe i, I have a couple of lorenz in guys like that but it's like i have none of the gavin williams i have none of the uh bryce millers i just didn't put enough weight into t- and obviously the i should have known the teams like the mariners are gonna be aggressive and so now it's like, unfortunately, I'm adapting, and so is everyone else. So anybody who had that approach this year had that step forward. And it's always about staying a step ahead of your competition next year. But I think it's like the farther we get away from 2020 and the farther we get into the new rules, that mm-hmm. that that gap gets narrower and narrower in terms of finding that edge because everyone has the – it's becoming more 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 than ever an equal playing field. And then you have people like us doing content. We're, we're not going to stop doing content come October. Yeah. might take a small break, but – um. We'll be back talking about early players that we're looking at in DCs. And and it's not not just us, but other people are doing this. And there's people that are doing this without putting it out for content purposes. So they get an edge by having, like, look at this guy going pick 500 in these early DCs. And this guy has a clear path to starting. Next year, that guy, like, it's Carlos Santana goes from like mid 500s to like mid 300s in a couple of months. And mm-hmm. that's the type of those are the types of players that make a big difference. And if you draft early, you won't be ahead of. But, but at the end of the day, there's just a lot. I don't know. The DC, that, that's a whole other offseason topic because I'm still uh, honing in on my DC strategy. I thought, like, again, yeah. I know the player pool well enough to do them, but I'm, it's like, it's a mixed bag. I have a lot of teams, like, my early teams are shot, but I have some NFBC 12s, 50s are like second, first and second place, I think, right now. I'll hold on. I have a couple of DCs that are fourth and fifth. Those hurt because it's right down the money. My main event is sinking, like a sinking ship. So it's like I took a step forward as a player this year. I've talked to a lot of guys and people have noticed that like, yeah, like now they actually, I got that kind of like that nod of respect just for, just for even seeing my name in that email it kind of got some attention my way. But uh, at the end of the day, it's um, it sucks because I missed me. And we're going to talk about tonight. Fab really just fab was my uh, downfall this year as to why I'm struggling to compete in my main event right now. Like I, I went from, I went from like, you know, it hurts two thirds of the year. I'm top, I'm a top 10, top 15 team all season. I'm crushing it. I'm making the right moves a little overspend here and there on fab. Come to the end, come to the, the 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 final home stretch, and I lost so many key pieces that I didn't set myself up to 
take on those hits. And I don't think necessarily most teams would be. It's not like you can just make up for reference. Um, well, let's, know, let's, let's stop. Let's, we're yeah, we're going to yeah. get to Fab in a minute. Yeah, like, sorry, like, sorry. Let's go back to this DC, <laughs> this DC talk. Yeah, sorry. Um, go ahead. What's going to be interesting is you mentioned, you know, we, we didn't account for all these rookies getting pushed up. And I've heard a lot of people say that. So one thing I'm looking forward to is looking at like the top, you know, 20, 25 teams in DC is like, were they still just we talk about just ma- maximizing ABs and pitching and stuff, all that stuff? Are those like Steve Myers doing great again and he doesn't care much about rookies? So, like, I'm curious to see how the overall landscape is it like 50 50? Is it pretty much just the normal, like, hey, we're just loading up on dudes and avoided injuries? Um, how's that gonna play out? That's a big factor, too. Like, we were joking about, I'm just begging to have a starting roster right now, it's it's gotten to that point. Which is, I don't think it matters what time of year you, you draft it, and you just got kind of the, the the bad end of the stick on that one. But uh, that'll be fun to check out. At the same time, it'll be as all, all these teams are calling up all these guys from Double A. Well, next year, how many guys are going to be available from Single A and Double A to get called up? Like y- each team only has so many players. Let's be real about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um. So so that'll make it like where do we see that kind of playing out next year as well? Which is a whole other landscape in, in these DCs. Oh. For sure. And I think you're going to see players like you'll start seeing the veterans get pushed down, which will help us again. Like if you can get next year's Brent Rooker, if you just happen to catch that lightning in a bottle. And those are the types of players that make a huge difference because you're getting them. You're getting them for the best of their production. You can bench them when they start sucking again because you're not going to need them at that point. More than likely if you've drafted enough depth. And I think what we're doing better is not only I think everyone in fantasy is getting better at player analysis. That's not even the hard part anymore. I think roster construction is still the thing that people need to learn to get better at. And that's why you have players that like you don't need to be the best at at player analysis or in-depth analysis if you don't know how to apply it. I can tell you this person's fastball is really good. It plays up in the zone, this, this, and that, but it doesn't mean anything if I can't apply that to winning my fantasy leagues. It makes me a good analyst. I can help you with like, hey, this is good information, but he has a 4-4 ERA, and you, yeah, and you can understand why he's underperforming his underlying metrics. But if the production is, if the, you know, if the result, if the production isn't there, or if you're picking a player based on this and you can't quite apply it to building your team around that properly, it really doesn't help you as a player. So there's a really, and this is, I'm speaking as if I'm a pro at this now. It's just, I took such a, I, I just feel confident in the fact that I took, I used to be kind of stuck in this. I can't quite take the analysis and apply it to the game. This year was my first year of really putting it all together, realizing, okay, I know what I'm doing now and I'm feel confident in it. I feel like I'm a good player. I'm not a great player yet now. I want to get there, but it's aggravating because to find such such success for most of the year to turn around and have I'm struggling to stay in top 100 in my main event. This is again a team I was top 15 most of the year, and all that. And it's just aggravating because you learn so many lessons, and it sucks that I'm. A, it's one of those things where you start getting you start getting in your own head. Will I ever repeat this again? Will this um, is this something? Was this a one time thing that I blew my shot on? But it's like you need to run to run pure. You need to run pure in pretty much any format to win it overall. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, winning your individual league. That takes skill in itself, but to win it overall takes a lot of luck as well. And although fantasy baseball has a lot less luck than most sports, you, it's mostly injury luck, not so much performance luck. That's what it is. Yeah, it's mostly injury luck. You need to, you need to avoid the freak injuries. You got to avoid the, I don't know, um, what India's random plantar fasciitis or the, the obliques or the like. I can you know or, or wait. Well, I'm just being biased now. But Josh Young's, uh, he took a liner off his glove in the field yep. and broke his thumb. Yeah, the like, real fluky, like hit by a pitch injuries. Like Thyro Estrada gets hit by a pitch, and now his whole season's well. Derailed. He gets hit by a pitch like every third at bat. It feels like <laughs> I'm saying, like it just it keeps, just derails him over and over again. So but yeah, stuff like that. Man, injuries it's... for sure. So like that's the stuff that you can't you you can you can 
somewhat um, prepare for as in like maybe you start holding on to depth or you start, you know, even when you have some cash, maybe you have more fab than the rest of the league. And you're like, you know, I don't really need this Matt McClain type. But I'm going to go ahead and get him just because you can never have enough depth. And that was something I learned early on when I was like, oh, I have enough pitching. And that was something that was like, well, I'm trying to remember. Oh, it was uh, the guilds. Of course, it was the guilds. He's like, guilds, dude, yep. you might have it now, but you never know when you're going to need it. So if you really like a guy, just get him anyway or go for him. And at least put a, a, a good bid on him. And so it's like stuff like that was, it really stuck with me because he's like, yeah, he's right. Cause right now I have it. But then prime example of, um, you know, I, I lost three like huge pieces to my team in the same week or like within a week of each other. And it was like, now suddenly I'm like, that, that's where it's like having depth has helped me, you know, tread water, but it stopped me from having a team that can compete in the overall to a team that I'm hoping to win my league with because of, yeah. and so it's like, at least, but at least I had those pieces in place to be able to fill in and plug these holes. So the sinking ship is just sinking slower. I'm hoping to fill in the parts around it, but uh, yeah, enough of that. Now that we've, uh, now they're like 10 minutes in, I hope everyone enjoyed the strategy and, and all that stuff talk, but um, there's gonna be a lot of that in the off season because I have so much to, um, so I've, I've been taking notes throughout the year and I'm gonna go back. Like you said, we're gonna do like a post-mortem on some of our teams and just some yeah. of the overall stuff, look at what went right, what went wrong. And that's the type of stuff I think is the most helpful in the off season. And learning from your mistakes and hoping to build from that. Cause obviously that's life in general, but fantasy baseball, that's where I'm at in my life right now. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it. Cause um, I know we've done it a lot in the past and it's helped me. Like, you know, you, you're becoming a better player. I know I've, I don't know where the dust will settle with about a month and a, a week to go, but on paper, I'm having one of my better seasons right now. Hopefully like it doesn't completely unravel, but a lot that's of that's because of lessons learned in the past. Like I learned mm-hmm. you know, X, Y, and Z, but I'm also learning there's more I can do to obviously keep going so yeah and and like, like i said the biggest thing for me as a player this year was to learn how to take this level of analysis i'm doing and apply it that was kind of the thing is like i always knew how to i always knew how to break down a player i've always known and i've always gotten better at it and i've known what to look for but now it's breaking down a player and understanding their skill sets and applying it to fantasy and, and you know implementing projections and kind of taking it just i took it up another level and i really feel confident in my in my process now especially with streaming hitters and it's one of those things where you just start have to tinker with it and have to get better and um I think fab management and roster and obviously roster construction is always going to be a prime focus because without roster construction, you can't win period. That's, that's what it's all about. You can write every hot hand, but if you're writing every hot hand and just all they're doing is giving you RBIs and home runs, like you, you, that's only two out of the five. You know what I mean? So you have to always, it, it's all about, it's really about balance, but construction, you got to pick the right players in the right spots, you know? So at the end of the day, it's, um, it's a, it's a rant, but it's been, something's been on my mind because it's like, the importance of roster construction, although we talk about it, I feel like there's never it's never truly beaten people says, like, look, you master roster construction, you're gonna master winning these leagues. Because at the end of the day, if you can build a team that's consistent and performs day in, day out, or week in, week out, and you know, can avoid the big slumps while sustaining a solid level production while hitting those highs, that's what's gonna get you winning. Like, and that's why you see a lot of these successful players, they have a really strong process and they have a really good, they they're really good at identifying talent, but also identifying uh, and but also building that roster around talent because you can have every Nolan Jones, every uh Hassan Kim who's having a hell of a year, uh Lane Thomas. You can have all those guys on the team and still lose it. Heck, I have a Cunha on my team, and I'm barely winning my league at or I'm actually I'm in second right now in my league, and I have a Cunha, so it's like obviously Bloom, I, Bloomfield talks about how he has a uh... Acuna in a DC and he only has like 20 something hitting points. And that goes to show you that one player, no matter how elite of a year they're having means nothing in baseball and fantasy baseball, which is why I love fantasy baseball because it really does. It does take a lot more than one player to win your league. Now there are league winners, but like, I got like Hasa Kim and Lane Thomas. I feel like those are guys you can put in that lane in that uh, league winner 
conversation, Chas McCormick, uh, Nolan Jones, those guys. But the thing is, what makes them league winners is that they are adding to what's to a team that's already elite. Like you don't, the league winners don't just. They can catch, I guess, in head-to-head formats, kind of like in fantasy football, you can just kind of catch that one guy and he'll carry you through the playoffs type of thing. But that's even that's still usually not enough because you still need your other guys to perform to expectations for these guys to be able to implement that league winner type of you know production. So the term well, league winner is overused and thrown around too much, honestly. It, 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 I agree. You need to have the other pieces to go with it. But it is kind of funny. Rob McCabe, who does a lot of cool like fab analysis each week on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, he tweeted something out because he's been looking into to kind of roster construction a bit, and I think he'll do more as well. Uh, I, I think it was the top like 20, 25 teams in OCs right now. I think about 20 of them at least had Otani or Acuna on it. So, again, not the end all be all because you still have to build around oh, yeah. that. But like we saw that last year with like Aaron Judge, he was obviously a major staple on some teams. But I, I think a lot of it, like, I, I know people probably don't even care at this point, but like looking at my teams that are doing really well or that could be doing well, it's like I'm dominating either pitching or hitting. And I have another cat like my the other category is like struggling tremendously. That's a combination of roster construction and injuries is what that comes down to. Like I didn't do it properly. I love Team Borny, and that's why like we're going to talk about some players later later on in the show, and I'll probably save it for that. But I'm okay with you know letting someone else go pay for you know the big flashy toy, and I'll get Team Boring here, and I'll just put them in the lineup and go okay by the end of the week or the end of like the month they might have one bad start but they'll have four good starts and we're going to rock and roll. Like so, I'm cool with team boring. The only the only problem with team boring is that like say they like say you have a Kyle Gibson team boring. He's a guy that I rode I rode with for a couple you know for a good part of the beginning of the season, and he's been serviceable all year. But that same guy can be really good for you, get you three wins in a month, mid three ZRA, not crush your whip, turn around and you're riding him out for the next month, and you and you kind of forget about him because he's team boring. And then you look up and he has like a five and a half ERA for the month. With like with like a one point five whip, and you're like, oh, like so. It's like sometimes team boring can get you. It can get you complacent if you're too if you're not too careful. So you gotta be very mindful of these boring players because set and forget isn't always beneficial. Because then you get guys like uh, Gene Segura, uh, what's his face for the Cronenworth uh, guys that are just Cronenworth, aw- yeah. that were just awful this year, and people just kind of left them in there without thinking twice. When so it's almost like I prefer to have a little more volatility because it causes me to be more in tune with what the player is actually doing versus just assuming that they're going to be okay or assuming that, Oh, he's just Cronenworth. He's going to be fine. Like he'll do his thing. Meanwhile, you just took a month of a two forty batting average. If you're lucky with like barely any home runs, kind of minimal. Like he did more damage than good for you that month compared to the guy you could have been streaming this whole time. Had you been paying attention to Cronenworth more in depth for that month? Cause you just assumed he'd be fine. Cause he was Cronenworth. That's the only thing my, that's the only pushback I have about being over the top. I, again, it's all about balance team. There's nothing wrong with a boring player but don't get complacent because you're so used to the certain level of production that they might not give you, especially if it's an elongated period of it said, you know, mediocrity or less. So that's yeah. why I prefer the volatility a little more just because it keeps you on my toes and it makes me, I'm, I like to be able to turn and burn a little more versus, and, or I don't mind, again, I don't mind streaming them off my bench. I don't mind having a, a boring guy on my bench just to have in case of injury and, or and whatever. Or maybe that's more but, with the pitching. I'm not saying it's like leave them in the whole time, but, like if they have a bad start, okay, see why they had the bad start. Did they change velocities? Did things I, change? I think where pitching make, gives make, you a little more answers. Though. That's the thing. Like, where, so. Yeah, where it makes you take them out. Hitting, you can still get on it. Like I, I do a lot of stuff. But like I, I people get probably annoyed. I talk about the DFS helps me a ton. I was like, DFS is huge. So it's, I, it's similar I, to what I, I do with the with the yeah, lineup mining. You so know, you're just I can mining. see like you know not just playing time situations, but hey, this guy's heating up. This guy's cooling down. Like maybe he's getting platoon more, which is playing time, but. You start to see things a little quicker than you know. You go look at a last fourteen on fan graphs and you're like, oh crap, what just happened? But you, you might figure it out a week earlier type stuff. Like 
Uh, I don't do it every week, but I know I've been early on some of the hitters and pitchers I pick up just from seeing like little things on, on DFS. So little, little nuggets like that. DFS is huge. And DFS is very similar, especially on the hitter side to like I said, the content I do, which for GT and for the athletic on occasion, um, I, which I didn't haven't done in a while for them, which is whatever. Um, well, I actually, I, I'm not gonna lie. I skipped out on my last article. Cause I was like, I just, I missed it. I completely biffed the, I'm like, it's the summer kids were out of school. I didn't think about it anyway. So I biffed it. And at that point I was like, yeah, it's too late. So it was my, it was supposed to be my final article. I never got to it. It doesn't matter. I'm a failure. Whatever. Call it what you want. But um, the GTA, I don't, I don't miss my deadlines. Or if I do, I just, you know, just do a, like say it was like a really long out. Uh, it was like, Re- recaps and lineup over the last the whole last three four days like i just did a really big uh write-up it doesn't matter I, I cover everything i don't miss anything as and and i and this year the savant recaps were a big addition because now i don't miss pitching stuff and this is the first year i'm like i'm over here in august going into september like i know everything about every pitcher i can tell you what happened to sandy alcantara or how he uh found that he he had he addressed the mechanical flaw in the start against Boston, I believe it was. And then I, I think I texted us to the group chat, like how ever since then he leaned, leaned on the changeup more. And he's been great. I haven't been able to do that in years past because I've been so, I haven't had a good system in place with my content. So it was nice. It was nice to get a, a kind of a content flow, which helped me again. It's all about managing. I think that's helped me to gain my ADHD and, and, and like, like, okay, this is your, you're good. You have a system now in terms of content player approaching, like what you're doing. And, but going back to what you were saying, DFS is very similar to the lineup stuff because it just keeps your eyes on everything. You're not missing much. You're catching the platoons. You're catching the playing time. You're catching the performers guys like Michael Massey moving up the lineup. He's banged third lately. Stuff like that. Cause you're trying to attack plate appearances as well as matchups in DFS. So it's the same concept. So if you're a DFS player, it's you should really be approaching you should be really approaching your waiver wire week weekly with that mindset of let me turn and burn let me get these guys running hot slash performing slash playing well and then you look at schedules etc it's we talked it's, we've talked about that process and we'll talk about it again in the offseason because i think i can still improve that process as well but i'm pretty pleased with my my hitter my side the hitting side of things it's still the pitching side i'm with you kind of i feel good about identifying talent in the preseason it's about making sure i address i i feel like i I don't know what I did with the pitching. I gotta go back and look at my pitching because I, I think my pitching staff is so solid, and for them to just suck right now and not get me where I need to get. I don't know if it's just underperformance, fatigue, um, a little bit of both. Were they overperforming all year? Did I get a false sense of confidence in certain guys? So there's stuff like that. It's like I gotta readjust that. Maybe be a little more aggressive on the waiver wire with them because I just rested on my, my. I just rested on the fact that I had what was a very solid pitching staff most of the first half, and I still think they are. It's just they're they're not playing up to. Up to expectations. So anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's the ups and downs funds of this thing, and we still have five more weeks to grind it out here in Fab. So you wanted to talk about some Fab lessons, or I don't know if you covered it all there, or if you yeah. have more you wanted to get to. Always have, always have more. Yeah. So what did you want to discuss on this one? Because I know I have some concepts in my mind. And one thing I'll say is Jenny Butler was on Vlad's pod last week, and she mentioned she's doing a weekly Fab uh, diary uh, or journal on it. I think it's a very interesting idea to remind yourself why you did what you did. So you don't look back at the end of the season and go, why did I spend all this money? But you wrote down like, well, this is what my thought process was. Like maybe my process was wrong, but this was my thought process. So that's like a good way to kind of look at it too. Well, see, I feel like I, that would be more helpful with pitchers than with hitters. Cause with me, it's always the same. It's a very strict hit process with hitters and it hasn't failed me. Like I, I've overspent this year and that's part of the lesson learned here is uh, I tend to, when I get really hyped up about a hitter, I tend to overvalue them compared to the, but then again, I look at my league and I was always like my league itself wasn't very aggressive on some of these hair streamers, but then like what I spent on them was like average, especially when, you know, Waxman does his, uh, his review. 
my stuff will my, my my stuff will be like my bids will be on the lower end or in the middle so it's like i always was okay in terms of market value but i didn't do so well reading my league but then there's times where it's like okay my league did this so many times i'm gonna go ahead and bid lower and then next you know that guy was bought was uh was you know whatever fab for the same price that like the guy last week was that i thought that i overpaid for so it's been aggravating but at the end of the day what i think i need to do is uh especially early in the year when there's so much more on the waiver wire and there's always seems to be hitters like every week there's always like a handful of hitters i love every week so maybe i just need to set apart like hey look i'm gonna three to five percent on these guys like that's the most i'm going three to five percent of my budget every week on these on this group of five hitters and i will take whichever one i get instead of like okay i'm gonna put this guy up at 25 this guy at 15 this guy at 17 and the only time like maybe maybe it's like okay i'll break my i'll break my rule of like three to five percent if i really believe in a guy i think he's like like nolan jones was a guy obviously you and i were in on and i go back i defer to him a lot because he's just a guy that i would have done this for in terms of like all right cool I see, this is my valuation process for a typical streamer i see him as somebody who could last longer than that so i'm gonna bump him up like maybe two two x three x what i would bump a typical streamer right and maybe he'd be more sh- strict about applying percentages on streamers and non-streamers in terms of non-streamers be more liberal like try to read the market try to read the the league itself and try to gauge what they're all that what's going to happen and where i need to price them at but then if it's like if it's if i strictly view them as like hey this is one maybe two weeks this is my price and this is what's gonna be my price for all these guys down the board maybe like a dollar less as i mean maybe you know waterfalls down from like five four three two one but always keep that price pretty strict and be okay with whoever you get because you have to remember that that guy's like on your team for one or two weeks most of the time. So if that's the case, you're over here spending way more than you probably should on streamers throughout the year because you have a bigger budget because everyone else is going after the same guys. But maybe maybe be more open-minded and okay with missing out on my top target and be okay. Like, well, there's a reason why there's, there's a reason why you have five other names on this waterfall. You should be okay with all of them if you get them. Just but just so don't get so attached to certain players because they have a, they've been really good and you see some skill sets you like. And but but you really only want them because they're they're a strong side platoon and they have five out of six righties. Treat them like that as if you would treat them at the end of the year where you know you're turning and burning those guys. Don't go around blowing your fab. So that was kind of my big things was be less aggressive in how much I put on a player early on in the year, but but just and just be more willing to like accept what what the fate might have in terms of like who you land. And it's one of those things where it's gonna be obviously you gotta be very careful because with everybody having more money, you can't just go around putting five dollars and less on everybody early on in the year. But maybe should we? Like I'm thinking, like because it's rare. Like if I if I go back and look, how many of these streamers really stuck? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the strategy, <laughs> and I'm not disagreeing with it because it, I, I am and I'm not. Like I am because obviously, if you're aggressive on a guy like Matt McLean, it's paid off in freaking space. Well, but that's and not a never, streamer. That's true. So you're talking streamers over. I'm talking. So, stri- I'm talking. You, a guy, so you, would like, still, you would still bid high on certain guys like a Matt yes, McClain. Yes. That's where like, I was. That's where I was going to ask. I'm if like, I, so if, are you just never going to bid on any oh, of no, the? No. Because then you'll never win. Like, no, well, that's I'm what I was saying. Never, like, say never. I won't say never. But you better be a damn good streamer. That's well, that's what. And that's what I was saying. That's why I was saying. Like, that's why I use Nolan Jones as a reference point. Of, uh, okay, that's fair. Like, that's if fair. I believe in a guy, I'm going to bid higher than that that allotted amount. But I want to keep it. I want to bring those bids down because I, I if I go back and look, I overspent like Jake Powers. I was like nineteen to two, yeah, yeah. Um, and guys like that were. And, but well, that's like 19, the worst feeling in the world too. So you know you're not going to keep him for a while. You just spent so much more over. Like, because Dad. he's he was super hot and was like you know had like. Then he hasn't done anything since Rizzo's gone to the IL. Nothing. He, he has, he's gotten like back when I got him, he was like coming off like a three home run week. He had like yeah. a six game, six out of seven in New York that week. All and he was like six righties. I'm like short porch. Hitting well, like I wanted him, and and then I like I should have kept like seventy bucks. He's still been an overspend, but at least if I had that number in mind, I wouldn't have. It would have saved. Right now, I'd have ten more dollars. Right now, 
and ten dollars right now that goes so that, that kind of leads me to the next one so what i was getting at was um be a little more strict in my pricing early on with with guys i view strictly as streamers especially those platoon bats that i don't think will last beyond a week or two based on matchups Real and quick, like I'll, I'll, before you go to your next step mm -hmm. i want to get a, a thought in here go ahead um the other reason i think this is a very interesting thought process and obviously we'll dig into more of this stuff later but it can help people for the last few weeks at least um one thing i know curl and i simeon jorge others obviously but in our little group chat for sure we've acknowledged it and we're not the only ones like i say is there's a reason why pitching goes so high is you want that kind of floor pitching because back to Curlin's streamers comment there's always hitters available always hitters available like there's I'll write my waiver wire article what Carlin will do is schedule thing. And we're both sitting there on a Sunday texting going, there's like 10 hitters. I'd have zero problem adding this week to play. And I'm having trouble finding like two pitchers right now. Sometimes one that you're like confident going with, you put in bids on like five because you just need a freaking pitcher, but half of them, you're like not feeling warm and fuzzy about where at least the fifth hitter on your list. You're like, okay, I can, you know, I could see maybe a Homer or two, maybe a stolen base. Like they'll help me a little bit. Don't crush me type scenario. Where the yeah. pitcher could destroy you, could destroy you, and uh, so that's another reason, kind of, with what Curlin's saying that. And I also wanted to echo because people are like, oh, are people going to take pitchers early because of all these pitchers coming up? Like, yes, they will. I will show you on tonight, on Tuesday night when we record pitching in the first seven rounds. There will be pitching going early and often because that's how these guys do things, and it makes sense. Yeah, and especially for me, like in a fifteen, in a 12, I don't, honestly, I don't approach fifteens and twelves too differently. I'm a little more willing to take upside in twelves. Might be the only difference because I know the replacement value is always greater in twelves off the waiver wire. So I'm willing to swing a little more for the fences a little earlier in drafts compared to fifteens. I'll build a little safer. But like this year, I had two relievers and three or four starters in my first like nine picks. Like I went really, and I don't regret it at all because obviously, again, having Acuna to build off of, but it was also. I, I just felt I feel more confident building a pitching staff where it's like I'm going to build up the brunt of it right then and there in the early rounds and then kind of pick and choose guys like and I, again I happened to hit on Justin Steele and others that's why it's like I don't I have I have Brian Bayo I don't understand how my pitching has struggled the way it has that's why I get aggravated but um it's again another discussion for another day in terms of like what went wrong because honestly I'm trying to think I think I just I have to go back and see who I streamed throughout the year here and there, but I barely had a stream pitching this year, but it's because I went so pitching heavy that I, all I had to do stream hitters. And I happened to also hit on some good hitters late. And it's well, I just look at it. Like I'm hoping it's one of those things where it's like, was this a one year fluke for me though? Am I going to be able to repeat this process and, and make it work? And the answer is going to be yes. And no, I think there's going to be years where my process misses in terms of just, I, maybe I, I picked the wrong players, but the pro, but the actual team building that I put in place I am and implemented works. It's just I picked the wrong players. Like this year, had I picked Camille Duvall over Clay Holmes, I think we're having a different discussion here in terms of my overall standing, even with the struggling issues I've had to this point, among other things. And that was just one of those instances of like process. My process was right in terms of what I picked. Just I picked the wrong person because it was like they were like right there in the same range of ADP. So um, that's one of those things I have to tinker a little bit in terms of maybe my player analysis or be uh, and closer analysis has always been my weaker point in terms of. Up until this year, again, I, I kind of I, I went into the draft attacking pitchers, knowing that hitting analysis is always my strength. So I feel confident where I got my pitching analysis now. So it's a matter of implementing it into my draft process. But anyway, um, at the end of the day, though, yeah, I think building I think taking pitchers early is a smart move because for every like, I know Sandy Alcantara is a terrible I've said, I've said his last name two different ways already this show. <laughs> I know it's a terrible example of like how and like Julio Urias are two examples of how pitching can damn you early. 
But for every one of those guys, you're taking earlier, you're still getting your Kevin Gossman's, you're getting your Coles. I know Cole's been a little shaky lately, but you're getting these guys that are staples in, at Strider. And there's a reason why you're still taking pitching early because those guys are coming in and you don't have to worry about them. And having one of those is very valuable, especially if the other one fails. Like I had Brandon Woodruff go on the IL for like two thirds of the year, and I probably shouldn't have held him, to be honest. But uh, I did, and now he's back. And now it's one of those things where if I didn't have Kevin Gosman, I would have been probably sunk because my pitching hadn't been good. Like he'd been pitching, my pitching been okay, but Gosman had been a difference maker up until this point, carrying me. Up until now, I have Gosman and Woodruff both back my lineup, Darvish pitching better. So it's one of those things where having a pitching heavy approach helped with those injuries. Whereas when hitters get injured between, I mean, again, this could be a fluke year with prospect hitters and all that, but um, there's always something, I feel like there's always a streamable hitter on the bench uh, on the waiver wire to add, to fill in those holes when a hitter gets injured compared to the type of pitcher you're getting off the waiver wire to fill in those holes. If you get an injury. So that's why I'd rather build up. I'd rather build depth early in pitching to help counteract those injuries. I, almost everyone's going to get a pitcher injury. It's just the way it works. Like you're getting at least one a year. It doesn't percent, matter. Yeah. Maybe two. But if you build depth, you can take on one or two of those hits compared to it's it's easier to take on one of those hits without having to depend on the waiver wire for, for it compared to with hitting. Again, I'm just reiterating it over and over again that hitting is just way easier to find on the waiver wire all year long. So I'd rather take I'd rather take my chances. I know pitching is volatile and pitching injuries are more frequent, but I'd rather take my chances and build my pitching up strongly just knowing how I can attack the waiver wire to benefit my team if I were to lose other parts. So I don't know. I think building pitching early is the way to go. That's my personal opinion on it. I know there's people that don't believe in that. There's plenty of people that won't buy into that. And if you win like that, that's fine. Do you win, win however you want. But I just found my best approach so far is taking at least two pitchers in the first three to four rounds. And it's rare. It'll be, it's usually be first three, especially by main event season when everyone pushes pitching up, it'll be three rounds, but like DC season, I'll be able to probably get by with like two in the first five rounds just because yeah, how, pitching be falls early. It's weird. Yeah. Pitching falls um, in DCs and raises up when you start getting to those main event seasons, you know, the, the live drafts and all that. A, a couple of things. What Curlin's saying there though, is uh, a, a lot of that sounds like roster construction, which he mentioned <laughs> early in the show <laughs> that it comes back to. And B that's more 15 teams than 12. Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, I'll be, I, I just want to, like he said, you said main events. So I just want to let people know like, 12s, which I play in a lot, I was still very comfortable with waiting until almost round four or five. Uh, you look at the guilds, who's extremely successful in 12s, he waits. You look at Toby, who's towards the top of 12s right now, he doesn't wait. So, like, he waited this year a little more than usual. But, like, there's there's many, many ways to build this. But in the end, it's how you build it, how you construct it. Like Curlin said, is, you know, if you go, some guys are thinking four hitters, one pitcher, three hitters, two pitchers. Like, how do you do it? How do you construct it? Like, and how do you construct it based around the statistics you're going for? So on and so forth. Then you throw in relievers into the mix where this year you technically didn't really have to go early because everyone's getting saved. There's no like, like craziness going on there. So that's a whole other bag of fun that uh, will probably flip on its head next year. But for now, for now, it's fun in 2023. So we'll see. Yeah, I can't wait for relievers to just be back to what they were in 2021 before, or 2022, I should say. At this point, when we, the, there was like a, just a carousel, constant turning and turning, and that's it's gonna it's gonna be cyclical. I don't, I think this year is gonna be more of the anomaly. I don't see a lot of I this year being. Thing, yeah, I don't think. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. I'm still gonna. I don't think I'm gonna change my strategy to, to relieve pitchers. I'm probably gonna avoid that top tier, live in the middle tier or second tier as my first one, and then try to grab like if I can grab. Like it's hard to grab an Estevez, and, and but maybe that's a bad thing because having Estevez has been so bittersweet because yeah, he got me the saves. Yeah, then he goes through. They randomly just blows those up. Ratio, on those blowups are big blowups lately too so that's why it's been rough so it's one of those things where maybe investing in good closers re- regardless might be a better tactic maybe skip on that third starter get two relievers that i could trust in more and then maybe hope that hit 
maybe just it's I'm it's gonna be something I toy with. I'm gonna toy with probably I'm probably gonna toy with it in DC season and go early closer, see how I like it. That's what the, that's why I think DCs are that's so great. Are for. Yeah, they're I think for. they're so great before you get into fab leagues for sure. All right. Well, we will do more discussions like this in the coming weeks to kind of vent slash learn from things, help others learn, and then we'll do deep dives in the offseason, of course. But before we get into our fab review for the week, a couple bits of kind of breaking news that took place while we were talking. Mike Trout officially activated from the IL. He'll be playing Tuesday night in Anaheim. So he's back. Jordan Alvarez was scratched from the lineup on Tuesday after jamming his finger pregame in a door. Nice. So keep your eye on that one, folks. Fluky injuries like Curl and I were talking about earlier. There's one for you. Jordan Alvarez, Jan Finger. Now he's out tonight on Tuesday. So probably out for a few days. Like good chance he misses. Good chance you're taking a zero through Thursday if you're in FVC formats. And then pro- might even he could probably know it's an IL stint. Yeah, some tough, tough decisions this weekend. But uh and oh there was one thing, uh, one last thing about Fab, real quick, because I know we have to okay. move on to the stuff. Um just I blew my fab too early this year. And I know everyone was kind of, hey, don't be so aggressive. I didn't factor in losing three key hitters. <laughs> yeah, so, so that kind problem. of screwed. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, so I thought I was, although I was being overly aggressive, and I'm down to dollar days with six weeks left. So I'm really in trouble here. Like I'm, I'm scraping by and I'll get, I'll get, again, I always find there's always a list of like five to six hitters and I, I put them for a buck. I get one or two of them every time. So I'm not really worried in terms of getting streamers I like. But I'm not. I don't have the money to go out and make, get a different. Like I couldn't go out and get Trevor Story. I couldn't go out and take a chance on the Angels rookie. I can't think of his name. Who's leading off every day? Um, I couldn't go out and take these chances on guys that could possibly fill these gaps because I didn't have the money to. And that's where that's where I learned that I need to save more money for the end of the year. And I thought, you know, I I was a little more. I guess maybe I was a little more confident. I didn't. You know, I don't have. Like, Naylor isn't known to get over. Like he gets dinged up, but he's never really injured. Young isn't really known. Like, he had the shoulder injury, but he's been healthy all year. Couple fluke, an oblique, and a thumb later, and then India with his foot. Like it's just one of those things where I lost three huge pieces and didn't have the the funds to go. So remember how I mentioned having those ancillary pieces that make a difference in a overall versus like just or even just winning your league versus now it's keeping you afloat. That's when Nolan Jones and Chaz McCormick go from being my outfielder five and utility spots. Like I'm I'm loaded. Those are my those are my back end guys, like back fringe roster guys, right? Guys, it's like wow, I'm lucky to have these guys just like, if I don't even want to play them, I don't have to, to where now I need them. So, and, and their production has been good, but now, so now it goes from that production being the extra production that keeps me going, sustains me at the highest level possible to it's making me just get by. And now I'm filling the, I'm filling the holes with, I'm lucky. I, I, I fell into Massey. I fell into Jordan Diaz. Those guys have been good, but it's still a huge step down in production. My, and so it's one of those things where that's what, so I don't have the money to go out and attack Th- those those holes as much so that's where it's like i, I kind of shot myself on the foot now again three big injuries like that to three core pieces of your team that's something that most people can't get by regard like but having fab to help counteract that would have been helpful so i realized this year that um even though i was still especially the top five teams i think there's only two teams that had more fab than me at the time in terms of the top five and and two of them were like in fourth and fifth and the other three the three of us were bunched together with like very little money so i'm like all right cool i could be I can still be competitive with the guys that have the most chance of catching me slash competing with me for this, my, for my actual league. But because I played that whole, like, I played my, I tried playing my league and then I kind of screwed myself into not having enough fab because of how I did. I got a little aggressive with it and thought I can get by. Cause I, again, it wasn't counting on, I counted on one injury maybe or so, you know, one, but I didn't expect it to be three and be three significant ones to three significant parts of my team. So, and you can never count on that. You can never plan for that. But had, had I had more fab left, like say 150 bucks versus 30, 
type of thing. And, and then, you know, you kind of are planning for that because now you can go out and get Trevor Story when he gets called up. You can go out and get whatever it might be, just a piece that could be. glad you be. couldn't get Trevor Story. Yeah, well, you get my point, though. At least, like, having the opportunity to go out and get insert if noelle Marte becomes a thing i couldn't go out and get him um the, sh- the guy from the angels again i can't say i don't know his name i just know he leads off every day but those are the types of things that i i want i want the opportunity to go out and get potential difference makers and i can't go out and get those because i don't have the money to do it and that's where it hurts you so ha- make sure you're a little more diligent in saving fat for the end of the year even if you don't feel like you truly need it like i really didn't think i was gonna need it this year like that and i kind of like screwed myself with that thought process because i got let myself get a little too aggressive a little too cute and now i'm Need to, I need to get a little lucky here with the production in order to creep back into the, even the top 50 in the overall, which doesn't pay anything at that point. But at least top 50 in the overall likely likely pushes for my league title, which is kind of the point where I'm targeting. But it's just aggravating because um I set myself up for that level, that, that failure end of the year by being overly aggressive throughout the season. And, and when I was in a position, I didn't need to be. And it goes, and it go, but it also goes back to being over aggressive and paying too much on the streamer. So it's kind of all, it, it's all built in. Like I realized the reason why I have no money at the end right now wasn't just being aggressive throughout the year, but it was, it was because I was overspending on streamer types when I didn't have to, because I might have put some uh, sense of I might have overvalued them in, in a sense when I, when when no one else was valuing them like that or just being like I wasn't being as mindful like all right cool I could spend fifteen bucks on this guy and he was like a five dollar player you know so like that you know next you know oh crap what I would do for fifty bucks right now which I'm sure if I go back I can find way more than fifty dollars I probably wasted or whatnot so yeah it kind of all it kind of all leads to each other, but it's one of those things where I want to be more diligent with what I spend throughout the season on streamer streaming, specifically streamer types. Cause again, I will go after guys I believe in and spend actual money on them. But, um, and then of course, making sure while doing that simultaneously saving a certain amount, X amount of dollars for the end of the season. There's no I in team, but there is one in indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great, talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. 
That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right. Well, we'll figure out and see where it goes from there. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat lessons learned. Let's talk about Wait, some what? fab from week 21 NFBC OCs. The most added player, and I was actually impressed people picked up on this, picked up in 103 leagues, as high as $65, as low as a buck. I guess if you're riding an eight-game hitting streak, people will see it. He snapped it on Sunday. But over his last nine games, Stone Garrett hitting 438 with five doubles, two homers, 11 RBIs. He's been outstanding. He's a guy that I know we've noticed in the past, more of a platoon guy against lefties, sitting versus righties. The Nats are playing him every day, and he is producing in a big way. So I even wrote him up in an article over the weekend that he's getting to the 12-team viability, which obviously this shows in OCs, definitely 15-team viable. Uh, what's your thoughts on Stone Garrett? Um, eh, like I, I, I Don't get me wrong. He's a streamer. He, you're streaming him right now. I just I feel like we've seen this before from him. He's gone hot. He's gotten hot in the past. That's why there's always intrigue. Like, oh, there's a path to playing time. We saw him do this with the uh, D-backs, I believe it was last year. D-backs. I think it was Diamondbacks. Yep. So we've seen him get hot for stretches. And I'm not saying this is anything less, or I think this is all that is, but it doesn't matter because, again, six weeks left or whatever it is, five weeks left, you ride the hot hand until it's not hot anymore. The playing time is there. He's, I think, I believe he's hitting towards the middle lineup now even. Yep, moved to like so, fifth and sixth, yeah. So you get, you're get getting the play appearances, you're getting the hot, you're getting, and he has the tools. It's not like Stone Garrett doesn't have tools to actually succeed. In that, like with an everyday role, it's a matter of just being consistent. I don't think you're going to get, get, I don't think you're going to get consistency out of them. But it doesn't matter what you're going to get out of them, rest of the season, or it doesn't matter what you're going to get out of them in terms of like just ride it out while it's happening. So I understand it, totally get the ad, and I do like them because I do like I always like betting on tools when you're betting on a streamer, and that's what you're getting. You're getting the fact that you're getting playing time, you're getting the tools, and you're getting production right now. So ride it for sure. The Stone Garrett, yeah. I gotta say his name because otherwise people yell at yeah. us. You gotta say Stone Garrett. Stone Garrett. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Let's talk the next player, Noelvi Marte. This is why it's fun this time of year. You know, two months ago, every prospect would have been added in every league. Not anymore. Noelvi Marte added in 96 leagues, as high as 212, as low as a dollar. People still had $212, apparently. I hate those people. Um, <laughs> but Noelvi Marte, he's played two games. He has a double and a stolen base over those two games. In the minors, hit 279 with 11 homers, 18 stolen bases. Pretty productive there. Um, he's supposed to play pretty much every day with uh, the IL spot. I believe it was Newman that went on the, the IL for Cincinnati. So, Noelvi, I picked up Noelvi in a couple leagues. I didn't like, go crazy, of course, but in leagues I needed a potential, you know, a little bit of power and speed. I was interested, especially Great American Small Park. Uh, but the last thing I will mention before I hand it over to you, he hit fifth in one game and seventh in another. So, I'd imagine he stays towards the bottom of the order also. But what's your thoughts on Noelvi Marte? So I'm not so worried about him batting in the bottom of the lineup. I just want to see if the playing time is going to stick. And so far, I mean, he's started against a lefty yesterday or two days ago when he made his debut, batted seventh. And he's batting seventh right now today against a righty. So it looks like he's not going to platoon. But who, I'm trying to figure out who he's playing in favor of. So that day, Will Benson sat. So Fairchild was out um, trying to find. I don't see who. Or Fairchild left injured maybe that game? I'm trying yeah, to remember. Yeah, that's when he got his concussion. that Sunday? So, so you mentioned Newman. Okay, fine. He took Newman's spot against the lefty. But then who's he taking against? A, I'm trying to figure out who he's taking against a righty just by looking at it. CS is there. Botto is there. Steer is there. De, uh, De La Cruz is there. And McLean. Why, who, who, I'm trying to figure out who we're missing. Friedel. Friedel. Friedel's not there. Friedel. Votto. Votto's there. Friedel's not in lineup today. Okay. So they put Benson in. So Benson, uh, DHing, CES. It still seems weird. Like I feel like there's supposed to be, there's not supposed to be. Oh, well, Friedel is there. Wait a minute, who's missing? Friedel's leading off, dude. 
So the, yeah, I just I missed that. So I'm trying to think why was there no spot form or why was there a concern for no spot form? It's been so I remember reading. I remember I'm trying to think. Was it just because there's so much? Yeah, yeah I think so you know players. what Ste- steer steer. I think steer was a question mark. Putting steer in, steers in left field tonight. Yeah, they're that's moving steer it. to the outfield. That's it. Okay, there it is. Because I couldn't, I couldn't figure out my like, steer wasn't he factoring into the infield recently? He was, and they said when they called Marte up, steer would move to the outfield more, and Newman went to the IL. That yeah, well, Newman hard. was a waste, but yeah, so that's what happened. So I couldn't figure out. So yeah, on the fly, this is this is I'm over here like beating myself up, I'm like where is it the playing time? So that's what happened. Steers to the outfield, so this could mess with the outfield rotation, if I guess. But at the same time, they don't really have an issue with that right yeah, now. Fra- Fraley is out right now with an injury. Yeah. yeah, so as long as Fraley's out, they don't really have an issue. Senzel isn't he got didn't he get uh, optioned or is he injured? Yeah, he's he, he's gone. I know he's out of the picture, but huh? It's just crazy because all people were talking about was like where's he gonna play, and I'm like. How is there no room for him at this point? So, yeah, Marte, as long as he's playing every day, which I guess was my big question mark was against righties because of how tight they it's been. But it uh, looks like they're going to make – there's room for him right now. There's a reason why they won't play him. They called him up, and the tools are there. The ballpark is there. Marte is a guy that you, you should have a lot of interest in right now, and especially because they're playing time against righties. It looks like he's going to be there. So Yep, there's currently room for him at the end. So we'll see how that continues to go. Yeah. Uh, Javier Assad picked up in 96 leagues, as high as 113, as low as a dollar. Hey, I'm a Javier Assad fan, but 113 is just crazy. Uh, Assad had a, a two-step this week, kicked it off five and a third, two earned on two solo shots, four Ks against Detroit. He's made four starts uh, since, since getting put back in the rotation. It's been two earned runs or less in each start, but it's not a ton of strikeouts, a couple walks in each start. It's kind of a smoke and mirrors guy that's getting the job done right now. But um, what's your thoughts on Assad? Because he was very popular due to his two-step. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, I'm looking like there's nothing here that, that makes me feel like this is going to work out long-term for him. He Okay, so Assad is limiting barrels if you want to be like optimistic about something. But other than that, the hard hit rate is 40%. It's like, all right, whatever. K-minus walk rate is 6.7. That's not that's 6, the number 6.7. Like <laughs> That's awful. You want it to be at least in the teens. And even then, that wouldn't be great unless it's in the 20s. The 2.86 ERA over those four starts, and you mentioned it, you know, he's kind of getting by with those, over those two, over those four starts, three of which have been at least five innings. So he's getting the innings, but 2.86 ERA looks great on paper. Then you're looking at the 5.4 FIP, the 4.91 X FIP, and then the Sierra was 5.29. Just to give you an idea, that's pretty much suggesting that Assad is closer to a high fours to mid fives pitcher in terms of ratios. And the fact that he's walked as half as many players as he struck out at this point through 22 innings. Yeah. Uh, kiss your clovers, rub your lucky rabbit's foot, whatever it is with Assad. Cause I don't think it's going to last long, but while it's here, you deal, you, you ride with it. But yeah, I think it's all this two step streamer. And then you're, he's back on your waiver wire. Cause Assad is, I wouldn't be holding on like there's no way he's sustained. It's going to be when it, when it blows up, it's going to be one of those two oh, to three innings, bad. eight earned run bad. type of deals. Yeah. It's because this has a uh, Graham Ashcraft vibes to it to me. Um, Paul Blackburn. This is one of the boring pitchers. I was kind of hinting at earlier. Picked up in 87 leagues as high as $31, as low as $1. The Assad people should have been spending on Blackburn. If you could uh, Blackburn threw on Monday night. He has two step this week, six innings, two were in six K's. What I love about him over his last six starts, it's been two and runs or less from five out of six, five K's or more in five out of six. He's a two, two, five ERA three, seven, three X fifth and 36 K's and 36 innings pitched. He's been very effective, very effective. If you can, if you can go deeper into the season, there is the occasional blow up, but overall he's been pretty darn effective, especially in deeper formats. So what's your thoughts on Paul Blackburn? Again, he's a two step this week, which made him popular, but he's been a guy in deeper leagues. I've used a few times this year. He's like a better version 
of Kyle Gibson, Paul Blackburn. Yeah. Like, only because yeah. I only say that because I feel like he has that similar like ratio aspect. Like he's closer to a four, and he has a four point two two Sierra, which goes right right in hand with that four uh, four ERA. 405 xFIP. Yeah, the FIP is 3.54, but I would trust three out of four of those numbers. You know, and Sierra being one of the better indicators, if not the best, I believe. Um, but yeah, he's you know Paul Blackburn, great ballpark, terrible for wins. Although he has two wins in his last five starts, so good for him. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, a 9.9 swing strike rate when league averages, I think around like what 12 ish, 11 ish. Um, he is getting some chases. Good for him. But at the, I really do think it's just a little more strikeout upside than Gibson, I guess, even though the swing strike rate might suggest otherwise. And the ratios have been better, but I think that's home ballpark induced, which will, if I look at the splits, I can tell you right now how much better some of the splits are. Yeah, he is, his ERA, just looking at the ERA and the Woba, all that, like the home, home park obviously doesn't uh, favor. So at the end of the day, I think Paul Blackburn is serviceable. Definitely worth streaming in a two-step. And if you can take advantage of the home starts, go for it because, uh, yeah. He's okay. He's okay. Like he, there's nothing special about him, but he's not going to kill you. He's a boring guy that belongs probably at the back end of most rotations, especially in 15s and 12s. He's a little fringier just because I don't. Again, I don't buy the I don't buy the strikeouts being much of a help uh, rest of season. So the ratios are okay, but then there's not a lot of win upside. So what is he really offering you in 12s that's going to help you? So I, I understand streaming for the two starts because you're getting the you know you're taking the quantity at that point. Outside of a two-start week in 12s, I have a hard time holding on to Blackburn unless you want to stream off your bench type of thing. But in 15s, he's definitely a guy you want to have right now for sure. Yeah, I just like his strikeout upside. A lot of these streamer guys these days aren't the best. Like we just talked about Assad and stuff. Yeah, it, it, It's pretty rough in, in those streets. Mason Wynn added in 85 leagues as high as 146, as low as a dollar. I wasn't really in on Mason Wynn. Given his triple his minor league numbers, 288, 18 homers, 17 steals is great. Uh, he's picked up th- three hits in his first four games for a 214 average, but nothing else near 29% K rate. Like you listen to the prospect guys, he's more of a like a, a better baseball player than a uh, fantasy player is kind of what you hear out there. So I wasn't really in on Mason Wynn. Were you interested in Mason Wynn? I couldn't afford him if I wanted to anyway. <laughs> but in terms of playing time, he has it right now. He started four straight. I don't know if he's in the lineup tonight, but I would assume he is. And uh, or if yeah, I'm sure he is. It doesn't really matter, honestly. So four straight, five straight, including tonight. And it's appealing because, you know, the 18 home runs and 17 stolen bases on the very le- like lowest of levels tells you that he's not a zero for power and that he will still be still bases. And he's 17 for 19, so he's very efficient on the base pass, as he was this year in AAA. So when has that power speed, and I understand that like, I don't have access to his minor league numbers. I'm sure we could actually these days with, with uh, StatCast and AAA, I'm sure we can get it, but just one of those guys where it's like we, we have to wait and see. I don't know if the power is going to necessarily play up as much as it did in the minors, but why did it play up in the minors if it's not really there is kind of my next question. I would like to talk to somebody who's actually seen more of his minor league stuff. Like why did Mason Wynn's power play up to 18 home runs over a season without pulling the ball a whole lot? I mean, the 39.6% pull rate in the in AAA. He does elevate the ball well. The ground ball rate's below 40%, so maybe just elevating the ball well. But if you're, not, if you're elevating the ball well and you're not pulling it a ton – the power has to be more legitimate than not, right? In order for it to carry to be home runs, unless where do they do they play in a hitter friendly? I don't know much about the AAA system here. That's why uh, like, most AAA is it's in Memphis, and Memphis is nice and warm, and the ball will fly. So maybe that helped carry it, unfortunately, and uh, that's what maybe the, so maybe that plays into the why the power is more fluky than factual for evaluators. But at the end of the day, uh, 
I'm okay with it. I'm not a huge fan. I didn't go out. I, I, what I would, even if I had the money, I wouldn't have gone crazy after them just because of how they've treated prospects and their players all year in St. Louis. So, yeah. uh, but right now the playing time is there. There is an intriguing skill set. If you need speed, he, uh, win is a guy that you probably should go after, especially considering and playing time and the skill set, at least being a stolen base guy, but it's still not a guy I'm overly excited about batting ninth in that order and not doing much so far. Small sample, obviously, but yeah. Um, Mike Clevenger had two step this week, picked up in 84 leagues as high as $31, as low as one. Uh, he's been effective of late since coming off the IL on July 29th. Clevenger has put together four decent outings, three runs or less than all four, one and res- or less than three or four. More importantly, his last two starts, 13 strikeouts against the Cubs and the Yankees. Not a thing he's been doing very well. You look at the ERA, but then you look at the XFIPs and everything else. Definitely got on the luckier side of things that start. Did have two nice two two starts this week. Were you interested on him on the two step? No, I'm never interested in Mike Clevenger anymore. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. Well, um, I mean, I understand he's coming off two good starts, but I don't know, man. I feel like it's always smoke and mirrors with him. And every time he shows a little bit of something, it just goes back to completely getting crapped on. So it's like, if I if I'm just vo- attacking it via volume, like I need strikeouts, maybe some win potential, sure. But Clevenger is not a guy that he kind of falls into that same category of like Mason Win, where it's like. I understand the ad. I'm just not all that interested or buying into much rest of the way. All right, let's do a couple quick hitters here. Uh, Nick Lodolo is supposed to be coming off the IL sooner than later. He's picked up in 67 leagues. Um, obviously, probably not available in 15s. Logan Ohapi was picked up in 79 leagues as high as $45. I'm still nervous about the uh, the injury there, but were you in on a guy like Logan Ohapi? Uh, yeah, I mean, in two catcher leagues, absolutely. In one catcher leagues, I, I probably wouldn't be as optimistic just because we're talking a shoulder here, and we know that stuff like that can take some time to get the power back. Since he's come back, let's see, the he's been back what, two games, he's 0 for 9, of course. Yep. So it doesn't really help. I'm trying to see, like, I was just curious, like, maybe he had a couple, like, oh, maybe he had three hits and two of them are extra base hits. All right, cool, that suggests there's some power. So maybe you're watching, monitoring him. Like I said, one catcher league's not a must add right now. I mean, I'd probably still probably try to go out and get him in one catcher leagues just because the ups we saw what he could be or what he was doing prior to the injury, which was also a very small sample, but at least a lot of promise there. And I do like that they're putting him right back. I believe it was like fifth or sixth in the lineup. So he's pretty much batting like towards the middle of that lineup, which lineup itself on paper isn't bad at all. But um, yeah, they still have him back at six tonight, even with Trout back. So anyway, um, at the end of the day, though, um, yeah, I mean, I get it. I would definitely make a point to add him probably in most cases. It'd be rare. There's a spot that I wouldn't want Ohapi, but yeah, I don't know. I just I think upside alone warrants an ad at the position. Alan Winans and Zach Lytell, 67 leagues, 66 leagues, as high as 26 for Winans, 61 for Lytell. Both two-steppers this week. Uh, Lytell's been looking pretty good, actually, in his time with the Rays. Winans was looking good, got blown up on Monday night. Were you interested in either of these guys this week? Uh, if anything, Lytell, just because he's you know has shown glimpses, been solid at times, the two-step why not take a shot with the Rays? You know, he's been pretty solid. I know it's been kind of smoke and mirrorsy. We talked about him a little bit, I believe it was a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So um, like tell there's reasons at least to buy into what we've seen, but I think Winans it's funny. They mentioned, I'm pretty sure he got optioned after that game. It, like he optioned did. today. I think he optioned today, like earlier today while, before we recorded and um, they called up Schuster. So, no, so, the, so the worst part is, is you got him for the two steps, you know, the two starts and you're not going to get him for you the just second get the start. one bad start and see you later. Most likely, unless they IL somebody in between then and bring him back up. But it was a, we knew what he, Winans was looking good, but it was against like, 
the, I remember his opponent matchups, his opponents, his matchups were like pretty favorable for him. And it was also a guy that was just like making it work, even though it didn't really make sense. How And it kind of, it looks like it caught up to him. So we'll see. Uh, the Braves are getting by with piecing it together with their uh, rotation. So last guy I'm going to ask you about here, Nolan Chanel got called up by the angels, basically playing college ball about a month and a half ago. Added in 53 leagues, as high as 75, as low as a dollar. He has one hit in each game so far. Got a slap hittery approach, though. Uh, so I don't know how well the power will translate. Plays pretty much every day, though, for the Angels. He's let off all three games, which is uh, pretty impressive. So what was your take on a guy like Chanel this week? I would have gladly gone after him if I had the money to, uh, just because why not? They're play- Not only are they calling him up, there's like no minor league data. You can go to college data, but how helpful is that when it comes to – the transition from college to hey, I'm playing the pros a month later or whatever. <laughs> but uh, you see the uh, what I always what I always fate what I really like about an approach like his is that he walks when they strike outs strikes out. So right then and there, you know, there's a good plate approach. There's a good recognition of the zone and the and the plate, and that could help him. That could help right there a transition be a little easier for him. You mentioned it. Maybe it's more of a slap hair approach. It's still early. It's one of those things where we have no actual MLB or any real data because he pulled the crap out of the ball in Double A, but that was what. 16 games like <laughs> like i don't know like, he's hitting the ball on the ground a ton over 50, over 55 percent of the time at two out of three stops this year or sorry two out of four he's almost at 55 percent in the major league level so he's that pull hit the pull heavy approaches on double a hasn't quite transitioned yet hitting a ton on the ground there's there's growing pains here obviously i don't know if i should expect a whole lot so that's why i don't i wouldn't have been crazy about going after him just because there's so much unknown here but on the very basic level of walking more than striking out at every stop, like again, very small sample, but even doesn't matter where he's been, even at the major league level so far, walking twice as much as striking out, that means something to me. So I think there's reasons for optimism, but I just don't know if we should be expecting a whole lot of fantasy juice this year. I think it's one of those things where we're getting a little look at him, he'll adapt, and next year will probably be up pretty early or break camp with the team because they're being uber aggressive with their prospects last few years. But uh rest of the season, I'm not overly optimistic, but I would it's worth taking a shot on in deeper formats. Not sure he's 12 team relevant just yet more than a bench bat just to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. All right, none of the other moves were too super relevant or actually guys we talked about in recent weeks, so they've been continuing to get picked up. But let's talk about some listener questions here. Uh, Dave Petrosiello, this is a long thread you guys kept going with. If you have a team that's totally wins unlucky, imagine you guys have seen some of my rants. And with six weeks left, there are still points to gain in saves, and you have four viable closers, Hayter, Kimbrell, Alzoli, and Santos. Do you just say screw it and go 5-4 relievers starting pitching or vice versa? think I'm doing that. What was your guys' verdict when that was all said and done? Well, I, I read what they were saying, and it really comes down to look at you. For me, I I, I didn't chime in because I really wanted to talk. This was actually something I wanted to talk about because it goes back into strategy, and I love talking strategy. So, um for this question, it really comes down to look at your team, do the math in terms of what, what gets you the most points in your standings. Because obviously, if you're trying to transition to one attack or the other, you're probably looking at winning your league, not so much an overall aspect, right? So you want to look at your team, look at your standings, be like, all right, cool. Five wins gets me three points, but like six saves gets me one point. You probably should do what, uh, what what Gills was saying, throw yeah. caution to the wind a little bit, but you have to be mindful. Are you like neck and neck for like are, like for me and one like, i think it's era that like yeah because trying to good, get wins can burn you <laughs> two good starts probably gets me three to four points in my era right now to compare to so it's like you really it's it's a real, real fine line of which way to go with it but um at the end of the day you really have to sit there look at your standings try to do the math the best you can in terms of what 
what's going to get you the most points at the end of the year. And that's how you determine what attack to make. So if you have a really healthy lead in saves, or if you're close to like, if you say you're like six or seven saves on the next guy, I'd say it's a pretty solid lead. Maybe not completely dish closers, but go like, I think, I think Gil's even said like eight one, which makes a lot of sense. But at the end of the day, you're chasing wins. You have to be very careful with the ratio. So there's give and take to every approach, but you got to do what you just really have to take the time to really look at your standings and determine which way to go. Maximize because those points. That's that's the only way to really do it. And if you th- and if kind of playing it, if if you think right now you're in first place and you're like, well, going for wins could hurt me here. Like I can gain three points, but I can lose four. But meanwhile, sustaining this, I might only be able to gain one or two. You kind of have to weigh that risk reward of like, do I, how much how much do you really need those three or four extra points? Can two can gaining two points be all I need to win my league at this point? Do I really need to go for those three or four points? And the answer might be yes. So then that's what you go for because do you really want to play for second or do you want to play for to win? I rather I rather play for second. I rather play for I play I rather, personally I rather play to win and risk missing the money than settling for second unless we're like a week out or two weeks out. Then I'm like all right, cool. I can, I'll play for second. I get it. But you're talking yeah. six weeks. You can still make a lot of moves. You can still make a lot of movement in standings. Yeah. So, but yeah, at the end of the day, I don't think it's as simple as picking one side or the other without doing the homework on your own standings first. For sure. I hope that was helpful. Yeah, it, 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 it makes tons sense to me as I've been doing every week on the, the big leagues. I'm trying to keep moving on. Uh, MK, MKB Fantasy Baseball is kind of a two-parter here. First off, what are you guys doing with Hunter Green, hold or fold? Uh, I've talked about this on a few shows. like The Welsh and I talked about it on Monday and a few others. I, I mentioned with Green, it's my philosophy has always been the same. Is A, probably wouldn't have started him right off the IL. That's just a no-go to begin with. B, you don't start him in, in Great American. You start him on the road. This his upcoming starts. He's at Arizona and at San Francisco. Rock and roll. Pitch Hunter Green. When he goes back to Great American, probably put him on your bench. That's where I stand. I don't know what your thoughts are on Hunter Green. That's where I've been on him most. Yeah, most that's the same thing. Yeah, I think we talked about these time. guys. Like, yeah. unfortunately, Hunter Green has so much talent, but and it's such a small sample. It's not fair to say that these are his his splits, but it's pretty for, glaring for, for the career. For the career, I mean, this year's so small, so it's really hard to just take the small sample. This year, it's like almost tw- the ERA is like double on the road at home right now. But if you look at his career so far, again, still small sample. A six innings at home, one hundred fifteen away, five a five fifty ERA with sixty more points of woba against compared to a 3.82 ERA on the road and a 306 Woba at home. And those, again, very basic stats. And right there tells you there's a huge home road split for him right now just because that ballpark is so stupid. And you look at everything else like in terms of like FIP, XFIP, all that, they all kind of back the numbers on the road and at home. The whip is uh, a 20-point difference. The bad bip is actually the same, which is really funny. So it's like he's it's, – it's, it's wild, the difference on home and road for, place for him. So I'm not saying it's going to be – because I think Grandmaker Small Park has turned into – Cores, or it's actually turned into it's a better, better than field. Cores. Yeah. So you got to be very mindful with your pitchers there, even a guy like Hunter Green. And something just a fun fact I noticed today in, my, in the Savant write up was uh, his slider was different in this first start back. It was like two and a half miles per hour slower, which can help. Maybe it'll help because it'll create a weird difference in the velocities. But I feel like that's more helpful with change ups and fastballs, unless, they, unless the fastball and the slider uh, tunnel well and all that. But anyway. Um, the reason why that matters is because with that lesser velocity, it's, it looks like it's by design because he's getting more movement on it. So maybe he's maybe he's toying with that slider. Maybe it was just a one start thing, just keeping an eye on it. Because I know we, we always like the slider and fastball combo can play up for him very well. But maybe he's trying maybe he's trying to make it get a little more movement on it, a little less velocity. Will it tunnel as well? A lot of questions we don't know the answers to, and it could have just been a one start anomaly for all we know. So we'll see. Because I mean, this whole time he was off, was he working on the slider? Is it better? We for the first uh, the first example of that of whatever happened. I don't know what can't say it was a slider necessarily. But whatever that 
start whoever you did that start probably doesn't want to repeat that right so yep. we'll see what Definitely. happens but uh just something i just caught when i was looking at the savant recaps like oh the side looks different and that's i mean and that can make or break we saw it work for john gray when he i think he did yep. the opposite where he increased the velocity dropped some of the movement on it and got was more effective for a little bit so and pitchers tinker all year long so i'm not oh, saying it's a time. i'm not saying it's a for sure like set in stone like move or change well, it makes made. you wonder it makes you wonder right. is he tinkering because of his injury like what's he tinkering for right now or, or did, he, did he have time to tinker with it that's kind of my like yeah what, a better what took place there maybe maybe it's yeah. maybe it was better in practice and it just didn't translate to the game who knows yeah very true uh the second part of mkb fantasy baseball's question um paxton or hunter green rest of season since the all-star break paxton's made seven starts gave up six earned last night in houston but he's allowed 21 earned runs over 34 and a third innings. it's a 5-5 era with a 4-3 uh xfip and 33 k's and 34 and a third that was the one thing he was doing well was striking out a bunch of guys he's not even a k per nine since the all-star break so definitely coming back to earth which you honestly kind of would have expected after missing that that much time on injury you, you couldn't imagine him doing that the entire season but would you rather go Hunter Green or James Paxton the rest of the way? I'm taking Hunter Green. I'll even start him on. I'll even start him at home. <laughs> over uh, maybe, 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 that's, maybe, that's maybe a bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> maybe I'm pushing my luck there, but because I, I haven't believed in James Paxton all year, it kind of burned me initially. But it looks like it's coming back to being at least a little right because I didn't pay up for him or nothing. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, uh, I'm just gonna go Green. I think I broke down Green. I, I can get into Paxton. But I feel like we know what he is. I know the loss he's been up this year, yeah. blah blah blah, but. I trust Hunter Green to be better. I mean, if I was drafting today, I'm drafting Hunter Green over Paxton 10 times out of 10. So I'm kind of treating it like I would on draft day. Like I know I kind of could throw ranks out the window, so to speak, but I want the better pitcher. I guess at the end of the day, I want the better player. I want the better player that even if I have to spot start him the rest of the season, I want to be able to spot start Hunter Green because I'm already not going to, I'm, I'm not treating Paxton as a must start either. These guys are both in that streamer category. Although Hunter Green, I do trust if I had to just plug and play one of them, I'm plug and playing Hunter Green. But either way, I'm treating both these guys. Of, I'm playing matchups the rest of the way with these guys, and I want Hunter Green for his matchups. I'm going to take the rest of the way over Paxton. All right, last question we have here is from our good buddy Britton Allen. Um, Sup, y'all? The Dodgers put J.D. Martinez on the IL finally. Uh, any interest in Michael Bush, who was called up? Bush is hitting 323 in the minors, 24 homers, three stolen bases. People like wanting him up so bad in his limited time with the Dodgers earlier this year and 51 plate appearances hit 200 with no homers and a steal. He, uh, Britton says, any interest in Michael Bush, or is it Ryan Noda time since he's back? Allen's been on Noda from the get-go. Um, I love Noda. I put him back in my lineups this week and my, my draft and holds. But any interest in Michael Bush? I, I want to say yes, because the skills have always been super flashy, like in the Myers. And I feel but, like he's played the butts. And they, and they don't <laughs> He's So right now, you know he's platooning, period. End of discussion. He is platooning, right? That's happening. So you have a guy who's going to platoon with Michael Bush. So right there, he's, he's limited in playing time. I'm sure Noda might probably platoon as well. You know, Noda's not even in tonight against a righty, but maybe it's just a rest day at this point. But um, at the end of the day, I would probably take Noda ahead of Bush just because we've seen, we haven't seen Bush succeed at the major league level. We haven't seen the team give him an opportunity to play regularly, regardless of, of a spot being open for him. And I don't, Bush has nothing left to prove in the minors, but there's a reason why the Dodgers aren't giving him run at the big league level. And I don't, I, I know he's not the great defensively, so the DH spot being open does help. 
but he's not a good fielder. So will that, like, well, you know, when Mookie needs a day off or when Max Muncy needs to play, you know, gets DH, are they going to put Bush in the field or are they going to let Bush play four out of five righties? So it's like taking away already limited playing time and making it more limited. So that's why at the end of the day, I think Noda's the play here between the two. But I really always, I'm always intrigued because Bush's numbers are always so gaudy. Uh, like in yeah, the minors, but he I'm never gets you. any real but shot. It makes you wonder if, like, they really wanted him, wouldn't they have called him up earlier? Like, that's where I'm like, because you kind of said it all with the Dodgers, the way they their playing time plays out. If they if they wanted to give him regular run, they could have done this a long time ago. Is my point. Yeah. So that's where it's just tr- struggling. Like, I just I just wouldn't break the bank is what I would what I would try to say. Like, Nota, then again, Nota's not even in the lineup tonight, so got yeah. that going for you. So. That's why it's like I, neither one's a win-win right now. But if I had to pick one right now, yeah, I'm probably picking pick, Noto. Just, I'm picking Noto based on what we saw to this point in the year, plus what we've seen the playing time be to this point in the year for for the, compared to the two. So, but remember, Bush was called up for a similar reason. He was supposed to. There was a spot for him every day, and they still yep. didn't give it to him. You know what's really interesting is they did call it Bush and not Vargas. Let's get throw that one out there. How's Vargas doing? Man, what a bust. I yeah. think we were all wrong on him. Oh, I had zero, I love Vargas zero, this year. Zero shares. Zero I love him. I, I liked him. He got his price got inflated. I wasn't a huge fan. And the Myers is yeah. hitting 291 with five home runs and five stolen bases in triple A. He's no, he's no bush. No. But he's having a strong, he's having a solid he's, he's, he's gonna be just fine. I just didn't want to pay the price tag that he got up to this year. That was him that. and him, him and Mervis are gonna be really fun early drafts. There's day. gonna be a lot of them. There's gonna be a lot, there's gonna be a lot in that conversation of you know the Nolan Gorman, the Jaron Durans, the guys that flamed out in their first kind of first or second chances. Like, where do you get the dis- the discount this year? That'll, also, Colos is gonna be free Kolos, next year. Yeah, there's gonna be some interesting names like that. Lenin Sosa too. kind of being overlooked now because he's been like mad. Like I know he was. But anyway. that'll be a that'll be a different podcast, and we will talk about that at a later time. As we wrap up this week, Kerland, do you have any final thoughts? <sighs> That's all I got. I know you do, <laughs> but we're going to call it right there. Yep. Because you'll give more thoughts next week, and maybe the week after, and we'll see from there. Usually. But uh, everybody, make sure you go check out Mike on Twitter at Mike underscore Kerland. Always putting out his great videos, his YouTube page, and much much more. Uh, so check all that good stuff out. I'm on Twitter at BDentric. Well, we might be back with you guys next week. Maybe not. We'll see. But for now, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 602. Catch you all later. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 
Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.